Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome to the Hyperion Hub, your meeting place for all things Disney. Now your hosts. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Hyperion Hub, your meeting place for all things Disney. I'm John Alois, and joined by Sean Degenhart. Welcome. And John Redling Schaefer. Hi, guys. We hope you're having a wonderful week. Before we get started, I want to remind you we're on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Hub Hyperion. You can email us at podcast at thehyperionhub.com. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please rate and review us so more people find the show. If we're not on your favorite platform, please let us know and we'll make sure that we are. All right. All that's behind us. Let's move forward and talk about our Disney view. And for that, I'm throwing it over to Sean. Well, John, there's a new series on Disney Plus that you actually recommended. Um, I had seen it, was kind of interested, but didn't know if I wanted to invest the time in it. And it was well worth it. Uh, Will Smith's Welcome to Earth, uh, National Geographic special, six, seven part. Um, He just goes on all these great adventures. And... You know, typically you think, oh, National Geographic, you know, we're going to see lots of stampedes in Africa, and that's going to be about it. But Will Smith goes on, it's more of a personal journey for him, um, tackling maybe some of his fears that he has, fears of water, you know, those kind of things, and really makes it feel like you are in that truck with him on all these different adventures. Uh, the first one, he goes to a live volcano with his guide who is blind. And, you know, hears the sounds and sees the sights. Uh, The next one, he goes down into the ocean in this little glass bubble that you hear start creaking and cracking at, you know, 2,000 feet. And it's just a little. And he, before the episode started, he talked about um, his fear of water. So, uh, and he looked a little nervous in there. Um, He goes to Africa and sees the stampede of the wildebeests. Um, He looks at goes to the Pacific and sees tiger sharks and, you know, their sense of smell. It's just a fascinating series. Uh, Something else that's a lot of fun, in the bonus features, um, he took his own home videos. So there's, for each episode, there's a five or six minute little clip of just him talking about, you know, some of the things he's learned and what he's looking forward to doing. And um, his wife, Jada Pinkett Smith, is with him on some of those. And just seems like a really great guy you'd love to go on an adventure with. So, yeah, definitely recommend Welcome to Earth. Yeah, the moments of reflection, whether it be about his childhood uh, or even into the present day, I mean, you're right, there was always a moment of zen. She sat there and binge-watched it with us, the entire thing. She said, I'm enjoying science and I never enjoy science. It was just a look at certain things and to think about. I don't want to give away any spoilers, but yeah, I mean, you you do. You think of National Geographic in terms of, all right, well, am I going to have to look at something, eating something else? And yes, there was an episode where it did get a little graphic. Um, Sorry, uh, turtle fans. But the point (laughs) is, you know, I, I did. I found myself just wanting to watch the next episode as soon as we could. It was the personal interaction, I think, and how it related to you and, you know, what you felt watching it. Produced by Darren Aronofsky, who is a director. Usually he switched over to documentary filmmaking for this one, but he directed Black Swan, Requiem for a Dream. So he enjoyed uh, playing with some of those fears. He talked about how he was going to push Will Smith uh, on the brink. Sean, I didn't know that there were behind-the-scenes uh, 
clips as well. So I'll ha- definitely have to go back yeah. and watch those. I loved it. I was floored by it. I'll check out some of the documentaries uh, here and there from National Geographic on Disney Plus, but this was very different. The the filmmaking style, the the beautiful landscape shots, you know, looking under the ground and we actually get to see time lapse of grass growing from beneath the earth and um, just really cool and nice fresh approach. And I thought Will Smith was great. He was, was he was, he was very entertaining. He's obviously funny and charismatic, but um, I loved his insights through all of it. I felt like I was him at times. It was a little bit frightening, but um, uh, he he felt like the everyman, I should say. And you can't hear the title "Welcome to Earth" without hearing Will Smith say "Welcome to Earth." <laughs> Please, in, what's the movie? Independence Day. I couldn't stop laughing when he was eating the bugs. I mean, when they were up on top of that, oh my God, when he went, oh, that was just hilarious. I just couldn't stop laughing. And there's a new series with uh, Chris Hemsworth that's going to be coming out as well. They'll be doing similar type adventures from what I understand. It'll be cool to see if if that was popular. Disney doesn't share its numbers on Disney+, Plus, but I did see people talking about it on social media. It would be great to see more uh, shows like that. I don't mind seeing um, those those types of celebrities learning as they go and exploring. We're catching up with Star Wars this week, and we thought, who better to have join us than the host of Coffee with Kenobi, our friend, podcaster, blogger, and author. Dan Zare, otherwise known as Dan Z. Welcome back, Dan. Well, hello, gentlemen. It is great to be back on this show. I, I remember when I was on, gosh, was it been a year, right? Because you've had your year anniversary. Mm-hmm. I, by the way, I, I love the the highlights and the bloopers from the end of 2021. <laughs> that was great fun. <laughs> but I've always, I've always, you know, been a fan of you guys. But now I'm obsessed with your podcast. It's truly something I look forward to every week. You are honestly one of my favorite Disney podcasts. I tell all my Star Wars friends that. So it is truly an honor to be here. And I have one request. Can I be the official Star Wars expert for the Hyperion Hub? Can oh. I, I will send over a resume if you would <laughs> like. I, I think Sean will sign a, a, a reference letter for me. I feel confident about that. I think your several books and writing for StarWars.com is a nice start. But uh, yeah, oh. this... We'll go to executive session. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> This eliminates the awkward question that I was going to have later on and officially asking you to be our, our Star Wars go-to person. So, yes, thank you so much. This is great. Of what course. An honor. Happy, to, happy to do it. Happy to wear that badge. I feel like I'm in the throne room right now, you know? <laughs> yes. <the> <laughs> yes. John, you need to see it. It's, it's the first Star Wars movie. Yeah. Anyway, anyway, here we go. And how long did that take? What was the over/under? Three minutes. Thanks, guys. That was sooner than I expected. <laughs> okay, so first of all, congratulations on your new book, and it's called Star Wars Character Encyclopedia: The Updated and Expanded Edition. Congratulations on yes, that. Yes, thank you. Thank you so much. And of course, we love your Star Wars book from uh, 2020. Uh, it's a it's a reference guide. It's a, a textbook for all things Star Wars as well. And uh, I use it quite often, especially doing research and things like that. But um, 
Both wonderful. Good. It must feel, I mean, what a, what a dream to accomplish something like the, the, what you're doing, not only the podcast, not only being invited to the things you've been invited to, but just being a part of this community and actually having a voice in the community. Look, I, I think uh, it's just a remarkable, I'm very blessed. God is very good, right? And he is he has certainly come up with a plan that I never dreamed possible. And, and even like now when I, I come into my studio and I look at different things and I think I always wanted to have a voice and to give other people a platform to share their voice about what they are passionate about. Certainly Coffee with Kenobi is the Star Wars vessel for that in my life. But being an educator as well, empowering people to find their voice and find their passion is to never apologize for who they are, I think is paramount to sort of unlocking part of your potential. So it is certainly something that is just wonderful to me. And I just feel very, very blessed and fortunate. I don't take a second of it for granted. That's for sure. There's a lot going on right now. Let's talk about what's happening with Disney Plus, and we'll get to the theme parks as well. But over the last few years, there have been some amazing shows on Disney Plus. We got to see the conclusion for Clone Wars and the continuation through Bad Batch. Uh, tell us about what your thoughts are with with where they've gone with some of the animation. I think the animation's pretty remarkable considering, you know, the Clone Wars, when it ended unceremoniously, we had the end of season five, and then they pretty much said that was done. And Ahsoka left the Jedi Order and walks into the sunset, and then you don't hear anything about Ahsoka for years and years and years. Then it comes back on Netflix. They drop 12 episodes, and you hang on every word of them, and you love them. And then you find out later at San Diego Comic-Con, and I was actually in the room at the Lucasfilm panel at San Diego Comic-Con when they announced that Clone Wars was coming back. And that was an electric, electric environment. People were screaming and clapping and crying, and it was just so emotional. And then to actually see it played out just the way we always dreamed about with the, the Siege of Mandalore, the last four episodes. And it goes along parallel with Revenge of the Sith, which is spectacular. Is John, are you still awake? I know you're not a big Star Wars guy. I'm taking notes. There, I Look at this. There are words on my you're page. Drawing, yeah. You're drawing. making doodles. <laughs> That's irrelevant. There are still words on the page. No, I'm oh, fair enough. I'm, I'm, fair enough. Yeah, those last episodes were brilliant. I mean, the way they, they were some of the best Star Wars you know, out of everything, it was just amazing. Oh, I agree. The and in the um, the duel between Maul and Ahsoka, and it was actually a live action. They just CGI'd over it with the animation. It was just the motion capture technology that they used for that was terrific. And then we led into, I mean, we had Star Wars Resistance, and that was fine. I think that was something that people enjoy, but it wasn't something that stuck with us per se. The Bad Batch, I think, is somewhere in between that. I think the Bad Batch is, is tons of fun. I'm glad that we're going to get a season two this year. It was certainly great to have a, a Star Wars animated series that had 22 episodes in one season. That was something that was fairly unique, not since Star Wars Rebels, which to me, by the way, if you haven't seen Star Wars Rebels, that is the top tier of Star Wars entertainment. I'm including the movies in that as well. I think Star Wars Rebels is as good as it gets in the world of Star Wars mythology. And I think what people don't realize, I mean, the casual fans that I've come across, you know, I mean, it's a big investment in time for the Clone Wars and Rebels and Bad Batch. And so I, what I've appreciated about Disney Plus is I can say they've got a must-see playlist, you know, so if you want to learn about Ahsoka, 
here's the episodes you need to watch. Or if you want to get caught up with Bad Batch, here are the episodes of Clone Wars you need to watch. So I've appreciated that as just a kind of a you know, a medium way to get into this world for people that may not have the time or, you know, want to invest that much time in it. Season two and season four of Rebels is where you want to go if you want to catch up more on Ahsoka and understand where she is in the Mandalorian season two. Yeah, uh, I'm I'm not quite finished with Rebels. Uh, it's the first time I'm really? watching. Yeah, the first time I'm watching oh. it through, uh, but I love it. John. I know. <laughs> I'm, I'm envious. I wish I could live that again. That was oh, marvelous. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about, in my opinion, one of the greatest Star Wars properties ever to be released. And, and, and I think that it can find a wider audience than just the Star Wars deep-rooted nerd fans or, or even the casual fans. I think, John, you would love Mandalorian. I think the storytelling is oh, rich. Yeah. It is... It is a, a bunch of different genres. It's a Western. It reaches so many different levels of storytelling that Star Wars hasn't gone to before, in my opinion. Well, tell, okay, tell the novice then. I may be the only one, and we maybe have two or three listeners. Tell me what it's about. Tell me, you mentioned that there's a Western portion of it. What, what would engage me as someone as, not an outsider, I'm not saying I've been excluded, but you know what I'm saying. What, what does the novice get from it? This is what I would tell you. I would say that The Mandalorian takes place five years after Return of the Jedi. And, of course, you're familiar with that. So the Empire is is gone. There are still remnants that are out there, but they don't really have a a connective tissue since there's no Emperor, there's no Darth Vader. And so the world is kind of lawless. Think of just any post-world war sort of a thing and how kind of the fallout from that happens. And then you have a a lone individual. His name is The Mandalorian. He looks like Boba Fett as far as the armor and he's just a, a lone guy that kind of watches out for himself think clint eastwood in the uh-huh. sergio leone films and then he is tasked with a particular mission that he meets an, uh, an individual that changes his life forever and it's it's spectacular storytelling even even if and i believe me i don't say everything about star wars is great because everything about star wars is not great i like much more of it than i don't otherwise my podcast would really be kind of probably wouldn't have lasted eight and a half years <laughs> <laughs> but I, I really think what another nice thing about John is you don't have to know a ton about Star Wars to appreciate it. And I think that's the genius of the storytelling. There's, there's all kinds of nuggets in there for the long-term diehard fans. But for people who aren't super familiar with it, it doesn't matter. If you like good storytelling, if you like John Favreau and trust him and he's great, he's the visionary behind this, I think you will absolutely love it. Awesome. And after you finish the first season, I'd love to come back on and, and pick your brain. Deal. Deal. I've got it called up here. The uh, seventh episode, chapter fifteen, the believer from episode or from season two. Um, That's right. We get a re a revisit from uh, Bill Burr. That yep. scene, first of all, that episode where you know they're they're disguised as stormtroopers and they're actually cheered on. John, it's not too yeah. much. It, they're cheered on by the stormtroopers. I mean, this isn't an original trope, this part of the story, right? But right. the scene where uh, Bill Burr is talking to his former commanding officer from the Empire mm-hmm. and yep. we get a touch of that kind of careless evil you know, um, just the, the, the idea of what the empire truly represents. Um, we just got a taste of camaraderie 
from the stormtroopers. And now we're seeing what the empire really means and the mm-hmm. tenseness in that scene and, and what's happening uh, on the outlying uh, aspect of it too. The fact that uh, Mandalorian sitting there um, not to reveal too much, John, but something that uh, he's not supposed to do, he's doing in this scene. And it's probably one of my favorite star Wars moments ever, you know, and, and just sitting through that a few times it's, it's acting at its finest. A lot of times comedians do a really good job. They can tap into some dark recesses of their soul and, and Bill Burr does Robin Williams. Anyone? Yes. Steve Martin. Of course. Mm -hmm. Tom Hanks. Well, he wasn't really a stand-up comedian, but yeah. Um, yeah, but yeah, so that, that scene is just tremendous and the whole episode is wonderful. And the reveal at the end of the, of the season, I mean, everybody's talked about it. There's videos, there's two hour long videos of reactions of people sobbing, you know, reliving their childhood mm-hmm. in that last couple of minutes of the final episode of season two. Oh, I, I went perfection. nuts. I went nuts. It was great. Cause I get we to share with my son and that's the best part. We were watching it with my two older girls who are now 17 and 14. And we started, we were sitting, you know, seated around the television and something happened, and we kind of sat at the edge of our seats. Then something else happened, and we were standing. And by the end, we were about two foot away from the TV and almost crying and hollering and, can you believe this? And, and that was, I mean, just from a familial standpoint, I mean, to share something like that first time through for all of us, that was that was amazing. We did the exact oh, same I, thing, my son I and I. It's, it's true. We Mason and I had, we had... Mando mornings. Now we have boba breakfasts. We get up early and watch it before anybody else because, you know, I like seeing it. I don't want to have things spoiled. And people, you know, fortunately were uh, asking all the time, hey, what do you think? What do you think? So I need to see it so I can actually talk about it. And so we just we share those moments together. And whenever there's a surprise like that, it's just great because I get to see it through his eyes. And you, you remind of, you know, we're all parents. You remind of how you felt when you were a kid and you felt that magic. And then you get to see them experience and it makes it so much better. Uh, Speaking of Boba Fett, Book of Boba Fett is the show that's currently running on Disney Plus. Your thoughts and uh, how are you enjoying the season? So I really like it. I don't really love it, but I really like it. And I guess what I mean by that is at the time of this recording, we've seen three episodes. And I think I think I've never thought that Boba Fett was a particularly compelling character. I think he looks great. I think he's I think that original Kenner action figure Boba Fett is the greatest action figure ever made of any line. Period. Because of the mystery of it and that great looking armor designed by Joe Johnston. But I I don't think I, I mean he may he's much more compelling as Tamira Morrison when he puts on the helmet. It's fine. It's just a very very slow burn, and I'm sure we'll get to a, a stronger purpose once we get through this entire first season and i thought the second episode was absolutely spellbinding and terrific that was mandalorian level excellent and i like the first and third one as well so i'm just kind of taking a wait and see approach i'm enjoying it very much watching it with my son but i i'm not ready to put it at the top tier of star wars entertainment just yet whereas with the mandalorian that kind of took sucked us in right away so i don't know i think that's part of the challenge with this is people want the mandalorian but this isn't the Mandalorian. This is something different. And when you have a character like Boba Fett, who we've loved since 1980, you've got this built-in suspense and anticipation and all this headcanon that we filled in about this character that doesn't even exist. 
So it's really hard to live up those, to those expectations. So if it would be really hard to be Robert Rodriguez or Dave Filoni or John Favreau and try to meet those expectations because Star Wars fans are, are sort of insatiable sometimes. So that makes it very challenging. We've uh, same. We've um, really enjoyed it, but not loved it. And we don't have to love everything. Um, I trust Favreau and Filoni, you know, you know, to the ends of the earth. So I'm really looking forward to how they're going to wrap it up. I will say, episode three, Clara and I both looked at each other when the the Power Rangers came out, and we're like, "What is this?" So that's been the only thing so far that we've kind of like, wait a minute, not sure about that. They're a young that bike band or biker uh, group, uh, yeah. John. <laughs> they, they, that was a very um, polarizing section that episode. A lot of people really had a hard time with that. Yeah, you know, I, I've I've enjoyed it just as you said, and I loved uh, episode two. I love the Easter eggs. Uh, they have a lot of fan service in this show. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I, I've. I've had people say it's boring. I don't find it boring. I've had people say the continuity, uh, there's a lot of continuity errors as far as his approach. Uh, Boba oh, I Fett. disagree with that. Well, and, and, and we can have that discussion. That, no, 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 let's have that now. Let's have that now. We will, Someone's we will. challenging John. Let's go, let's go. <laughs> but that argument, at least, it, it, there's something to that. I mean, um, granted, he helped these uh these native tuscan raiders and were touched by mm-hmm. them after being their prisoner mm-hmm. he you know we got to see him understand their ways and um and it mm-hmm. changed him in many different ways um but all of that took place before he didn't care what he was doing to the stormtroopers you know in in mandalorian and before he goes in and and shoots uh, spoiler alert uh, Bib Fortuna at the end of uh, Mandalorian season two. And now mm. there's this softer edged Boba Fett who is trying to gain respect. Is he though? Well, you're right. We I, haven't I seen have the season feeling. play out. Yeah. yeah. I think it's too early to, we're, we're just kind of judging things in the second quarter. Right. So as long as you're not the Dallas Cowboys coach, you have a chance. <laughs> right. So th- that's, that's kind of where we're at. I don't know. I, I, I feel like with the stormtroopers. That's different. There's history there. That they're not. There's not a connection. Those. Those. They're. They're almost like glorified zealot mercenaries. Stormtroopers are, and he know he's got history with them. So, and they're keeping him from his armor and his legacy. So they are in the wrong place at the wrong time. They better get out of the way. But the Tuscans are. You know, it's just that classic idea that reveals a very horrifying aspect of our history, that of the Native American Indians and how we treated them, and. You know, the the people that are supposedly less civilized are actually much more civilized than the people who claim to be from a modern civilization, and that's very powerful. So I don't I don't see an inconsistency there. I see an evolving, complex character. Well, yeah, what, and, and like you said, let's see where it goes. What do you think? Um, Clara brought this up. What she likes the bad guys to be bad guys and the good guys to be good guys. And so what she's struggling with right now is he's supposed to be a bad guy and I'm not supposed to like him. Why, you know, she's feeling that shift of making him a hero when he really isn't the hero that, you know, that she wants him to be the bad guy. Interesting. So I, I don't think he's ever really been a bad guy. I mean, he was a bounty hunter. So that they're just kind of in the middle. Yeah. Right? 
they're just they're just sort of uh doing their own thing meaning the, the whatever the bounty is we don't we don't know that he was a bad guy we know they work for darth vader which would be a pretty good you know by association but we've also seen him you know like black chrysanthemum you know get out here don't work with for these goofballs and all that kind of stuff so as far as we know, he's not bad. We know we don't know that he's even good. We know well he must be somewhat good. To me, if you treat and revere animals the way that he does, you've got a good soul, right? I mean, look how he treats the bantas, the rancor, um, the other creatures that we've seen in this that aren't trying to kill him. I, I think that's interesting. The way he treats children, the way he respects children, and, and shows res- restraint and kindness and empathy with children, those are powerful things we don't see with the Darth Vader, etc. So. He's definitely not a, a bad guy, but he's much, much closer to good. But he's, he's somewhere in that middle grayish area. Yeah, he was just... So far. He's just somebody trying to make his way in the universe, right? I mean, just... That's right. That's what his dear old dad said. But see, that's maybe the connection that someone like me could find. You know, did you do Peaks and Valleys with Breaking Bad? Walter White, was he, you know, was, was you know, Tony Soprano, for crying out loud. I mean, there's there's your arc. I mean, it, it peaks it peaks and valleys, and and that can make an uh, an entire series. And I love the comment about how we're in the second quarter of this particular line here. That my gosh, there were seasons where I hated Walter White, hated him. What are you doing? You know, Tony Soprano, you get frustrated with. So I again, I I, I appreciate um, that that ability to you know your daughter's ability, Sean, to kind of go wait. You know, that's the internal struggle. I think any good episode or any series gives you. Agreed. I love it. Although seven. my favorite fictional character is Larry David, but that's another story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I do love at 17 how she is um, struggling with it a little bit. There's a lot of gray in all of us. We're, no one's really all good or all bad. Uh, I think that's, uh, that's really cool that she's thinking about it in that way. Probably. I mean, I love it. Yeah. Okay. I can't wait till she's in mythology. She can't wait either. <laughs> Next week on the second half of our interview with Dan, we'll hear his thoughts on the Star Wars fandom and the new Galactic Star Cruiser opening in Walt Disney World. Until then, you can hear Dan twice a week on Coffee with Kenobi. He hosts a live show every Monday night at 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. I catch that one on Facebook. His regular show drops on Thursdays on all podcast platforms. Coffee with Kenobi is all over social media on Twitter, Facebook, Pinterest, Instagram, and TikTok. On Twitter at Mr. Zare, that's M-R-Z-E-H-R. You can also contact Dan if you're looking to start a blog or a podcast, and he will help you build your brand at danzmedia.com. As for the Hyperion Hub, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Hub Hyperion. We are on all podcast platforms as well. Email us at podcast at the Hyperion Hub.com. Till next week, may the Hub be with you. We're glad you could join us. We'd love to hear from you. You can email or send us a recorded audio message at podcast at the Hyperion Hub.com. Find us on social media on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The Hyperion Hub is not affiliated with the Walt Disney Company or its subsidiaries. We'll meet you next time at the Hyperion Hub. (laughs) 